0: So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of t for c can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Steve Taylor. Let's kick things off, Steve. By getting into where you are now, not where you are geographically, but what you're doing now professionally at Fixed, could you give our listeners maybe a a higher level pitch on what Fixed is? It's F-I-X-T. And where Fixed is in terms of its startup life cycle, would you say it's a toddler, a teenager, or a young adult?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think sometimes I feel we are an infant and other times I think we are a burgeoning adolescence ready to reach adulthood. <laughs> um, I think it depends on the day. So Fixed is a startup based out of Baltimore. It's a technology company based out of Baltimore, Maryland. We are an on-demand platform that facilitates the economic exchange of value between technicians and customers. What that means in plain talk is that we provide an on-demand experience, sort of like Lyft or Uber with ride sharing. We provide an on-demand experience to allow customers to request a technician to come to their home or office and fix their mobile devices. So think about the Uber or Lyft app meets the Apple store.
0: Uh Aha. So it's also for just regular consumers like me, it's not just for big businesses?
1: We're growing in that direction, consumer facing, but right now we are specifically focused on the enterprise. So we have large enterprise clients who provide this service to their employees around the country.
0: Got it. So is it like, what? It, what is that service that Best Buy has? Geeks or? Geek
1: Squad. That's Geek right. Squad. Geek Squad. That's right. Yep. And Geek Squad was doing something very similar to us before they were acquired by Best Buy.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And so how old is Fixed and how many employees does it have right now?
1: So Fixed is about six years old. It was uh, started by Luke Cooper in Baltimore. I and mean, we currently have about 22 people. On the team and that their responsibilities range from technical side, product and engineering to sales, marketing, customer success and operations.
0: Nice, nice. And how has the coronavirus impacted fixed? Obviously, many of you, if not all of you, are working virtually, but also how its growth has been impacted?
1: Yeah, I think the coronavirus and people employees being quarantined and working from home, I think it's it's highlighted the need for on-site on-demand technology repair. Right? So so one of the services we provide as I mentioned is repair of mobile devices and that's tablets, that's smartphones, but we also do we also do, you know, IT setup. So whether it's a construction site or it's somebody's home office, or it's, you know, a rental property and setting up Wi-Fi, setting up smart locks and making sure those are set up properly and they're maintained, those are those are services that we provide. And oftentimes, you know, right now with offices being shut, you don't have an IT department to go to. In many cities, you don't even have an Apple store to go to. So if you have an issue with your iPhone, you drop it on the floor, you have to send it in, you have to mail it in. And that isn't always a convenient experience, especially when your employer is expecting you to be online. You have to be connected, you have to be productive. And you can't do that if your smartphone or your laptop drops. So the idea of providing an on-site and on-demand technician that will come to your home or office, uh, I I think is more important than ever.
0: Your title is Chief Operating Officer. Mm -hmm. What does that cover? Because we know, and in fact, we just finished doing our Espresso Shots interview, check out show notes to see if that episode has already dropped. And in it, we were talking about what the atmosphere and the work life looks like inside a startup, especially a tech startup. And so I'm guessing, Steve, that you've got a whole lot more responsibilities in a startup like FIX than you would if you worked for, you know, a more traditional, more well-established business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wear I wear a lot of hats. I think first and foremost, my job, and this wasn't in the job description when I applied for the job, but my primary role at the company has been helping bring the founder's vision to life. So the founder has a vision, they they have an idea that they want to create. And I, I view my specific role is to take Luke's vision for the company and bring it to life. And I do that by managing the daily operations of the business. And that that includes the operations team, the client support, sales, marketing, finance, accounting, HR. I do all of that. I am the head of HR, the head of finance, head of operations, and I have a team underneath me that supports that and runs the day-to-day business. And my job is to make sure that the trains all run on time. You know, and, and I look at it two ways. One, I manage down, I manage my team of folks to make sure that they have the resources, that I'm removing roadblocks from them, and I'm providing them a clear vision. And then with my CEO, I am there to free him up from the burden of running the company. So he's able to focus on what I view are his unique abilities, which are sales and fundraising.
0: Got it. How do you think your role as COO of Fixed is different than it would be if you were at a bigger, more established company?
1: Yeah, I so I I would probably have an HR department, a built HR department. I would probably have a predecessor. There probably would have been a CEO prior to me that provided me with a warm handoff. I didn't have that. I was I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily the first CEO at the company. But there wasn't a lot of process built when I started. So I had to build a lot of process that didn't exist. I had to build an employee handbook. I had to figure out what platforms the team needed that didn't currently have access to. At a larger company, oftentimes the job is difficult, but a lot of the foundation of the business has already been built. There's processes, there's expectations, there's an HR department, for instance. That stuff exists and and you lean on managers that maybe have been there for quite a while. The most senior person on my team right now has been there for five years, second only to the CEO. But everybody else has been there for two two or fewer years. So I think that, that the challenge of working at a startup company is oftentimes there's higher turnover. Oftentimes there are fewer processes in place. Oftentimes there's not an incumbent. There wasn't a predecessor to my role providing me with a handoff. And so you you end up wearing a lot of hats that in larger companies, you might have an assigned manager working on something. You have to oversee that, but you're not actually doing the work. And, and in my role, I have a lot of responsibilities. And oftentimes, I have to go a lot deeper and do a lot more of the work than I would in an organization that has the funding and the experience and the personnel to to take care of a lot of that for me. And you must enjoy that. I love it. I love it. I I found in my career from larger company, you know, from the U.S. military to large consulting firms to now progressively smaller companies. And part of it, I knew it as an education for me. When you're working for a big company, you don't get to appreciate the accounting side of the house, for instance, if you're not sitting in that department. And one thing that I have learned in this role is the importance of cash flow, the importance of accounts payable, accounts receivable. I'm getting a true education and a part of the business that I not only did I not appreciate, but I never really or not only did I do, I just didn't appreciate it because I didn't know how hard it was. And so I find that while I don't enjoy working 24 hours a day, I enjoy the fact that I'm really getting my hands dirty. I'm really getting involved in every aspect of the business in a way that I never had before.
0: During our espresso shots interview, we were talking about sort of the the skills that you look for in the young people. Frankly, you said in anyone that you hire and what a startup environment, especially like in a tech startup, but what that environment is like and that you need to have a high risk threshold. I'm just flashing back to when I started out in the nonprofit world and I went, my first job was working for the American Red Cross, which is super big, bureaucratic. The American Red Cross is part of a larger federation of like 180 national societies very risk averse. And I realized kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears with the bowls of porridge that that bowl was Mm -hmm. too hot. And then Mm -hmm. I moved to a smaller, still very large, but more nimble, not part of a federation nonprofit called Mercy Corps. And one of the things that I loved about it is that it wasn't bureaucratic. It Mm. was very into innovation and into trying new things and being more risky in the types mm-hmm. of programming it does. And I don't mean the risk was at the same level of the risk that you're involved in, but there still was risk in the kinds of ideas that we were going after. And I think that's really fun if you have that kind of personality, right? Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy operating where there are no rules, right? Where, where you are, you're, you're literally inventing an industry or you're creating a business and you're responsible for creating structure and building organization. And I think that there's a, you know, you mentioned the word bureaucracy. It's interesting. I think that there's a, a healthy tension that exists in a startup when you are enjoying the chaos and comfortable in the uncertainty and the ambiguity, but striving for consistency and discipline. And the other the opposite end of that is bureaucracy where there's so much red tape, there's so much process it takes forever to get things done. People are very risk averse and everything has to have a very specific ROI with a low chance of failure. And in a startup you have to weigh that like you know capital is not a unlimited resource. You have to understand the ROI of something. You have to take calculated risks. You can't just throw caution into the wind. But oftentimes, you're creating something out of nothing. You're, you're building an industry that has never existed before. And you can't live in that world forever. You can't live in a processless world forever. So you strive for consistency. It's sort of like being an athlete. You know, when you're learning to swing a baseball bat, you can't just like willy-nilly just figure it out along the way. You have to build a consistent swing and you have to figure out how to build in as much consistency into your process as possible to increase your, the likelihood of success every time you step up to the plate. And the same thing is true with a, with a startup. And I think that part of being part of a startup is you have to enjoy the process of figuring out what your process is as a company. And that's what I enjoy most about my role is working with people who also enjoy that, who enjoy the ambiguity, they're comfortable with making mistakes, but they're, they're striving for more discipline, more process, And by the way, there's also a point where you reach a certain level of process and consistency and predictability where it becomes boring for certain people. And then that's when people leave a company and they go join another startup because they want to build it from scratch. And there are certain people that are very, very comfortable working for companies that are no longer startups, but are graduating towards that more mature model. And that's when you see an interesting turnover, right? You see layering of individuals, and people who are more comfortable in the ambiguity of startup leave and more senior people come in that are more comfortable with process. But I think understanding where you are in that life cycle and understanding what personally you feel most comfortable with is really important as you think about your first job out of university or your second job out of university or where you are mid-career. Yeah. It's really important to understand, especially when you are attracted to the startup world.
0: So take us into a typical day. And I'm sure there really isn't, but as typical as it gets for you in your COO role.
1: So every day begins around 530 or six. And I think this is probably a holdover from my military time. Every morning I wake up, I try to jump out of bed. And, you know, now I'm in quarantine, I head downstairs and I jump on the Peloton. I need to start my mornings with a workout. And that provides me sort of with the mental clarity that I need to get what I need done. To see the field in front of me, I need clarity in the morning. Mm. um, And that's best achieved through a workout. So I work out for 30, 45 minutes. I come upstairs. I have coffee with my wife. Get my kids up. I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And two dogs, we have a five-year-old cockapoo and a COVID puppy, a four-month-old. <laughs> so my mornings are spent, yeah, you know, house training the puppies, feeding the kids, spending time with my wife after my workout. And then about 8, 8.30 is when my day begins. And I, I'm online, I'm meeting with clients, I'm meeting with folks on the team. But I, the way that I view my week is I, I kind of bucket into two different categories. The first is working in the business. And the second is working on the business. And and what I mean by that is in the business is really about getting into the business details, understanding the finance, understanding where we are, you know, where our sales pipeline is, any issues with our clients. It's also really important when you're working in the business to be in a technology company, to be where the technology meets the customer. You know, where's the place that the economic value is created? Let's say you're in retail. The economic value is created in the retail store. It's with your frontline associates working with customers. In our case it's where the technician is meeting the end user and fixing their device. So spending as much time as I can at that location. So going to a job site, watching what technician work with the client, watching that interaction, and then circling back and working with the product team and the engineering team on how to improve that customer experience. So that's that's sort of how I think about working in the business. And then when I think about it working on the business, I think about in my current role as COO, again, I mentioned bringing process and discipline. And that's really about understanding You know, what's our communication structure? How am I communicating to the team? How am I holding the team accountable? What's the quarterly cadence? You know, how do we kick off a quarter? How do we do a mid-quarter check-in? What do my weekly check-ins look like with my team? How do I assess the business health of my team from a performance perspective? How do I close out a quarter? You know, how do I put closure on one quarter, celebrate that quarter, reflect on where we missed the mark, celebrate our wins, and, and, and then carve a path towards the following quarter. That's really working on the business. It's really more focused on the process. And then I think finally, you know, I've worked really hard and I've had some amazing mentors along the way teach me that a busy calendar doesn't mean that you're actually being productive. And so I've worked really hard to free my schedule to make sure that I'm not busy. And part of that is part of that is because I want to be able to see the field. I want to be able to not be so immersed in the problems of the business or, you know, involved in so many meetings that I don't have the perspective to look around corners to see problems that may be arising the following day or the following week. And the other thing is, you know, my job is also to absorb the inevitable challenges that hit the business or to hit the individuals on my team. And I need to have a calendar that is open, enough to, to take direction from the founder that needs me to jump onto a project. Or if somebody on my team is having a personal challenge or, you know, whether personal or professional challenge, I need to spend instead of a 30 minute one on one with that individual on a Tuesday. I need to extend to an hour. I need to have the bandwidth on my calendar to create that time for that individual. So I think starting the morning off right, thinking about bucketing my to-dos into working in the business versus on the business, and then working as hard as possible to not allow my calendar to soak up meetings that don't need to be on there. And sometimes I call it JOMO, this this joy of missing out. And and how do you create... How do you empower a team so you don't need to hold meetings, that you empower individuals to make decisions that and that don't require meetings? and then how do you how do you get people to say okay there's a meeting on the calendar Steve's involved but you know what it's not really my business function that's being discussed so I'm I'm going to enjoy missing that meeting and actually get work done and I have found that to be a really healthy example to set for the team and from a work life balance it's also a great way to ensure that I have time at the end of the day to close the laptop when the work is done and really focus on family at the end of the day